of weeks ago, I traveled to Upper State New York to, uh, for my youngest nephew's high school graduation. Um, we were celebrating his graduation, but also the fact that he had just sort of moved up to be a volunteer firefighter. Um, while I was visiting, he asked me, uh, would you come and see the firehouse? And I thought, sure. You know, um, he's very passionate about it. And I figured we'd just peek inside. I'd see a ladder truck, you know, a couple of hoses or something like that. And maybe 30 minutes tops. So off we went two hours later. Did I mention he was very passionate about this? This particular firehouse is made up of all volunteer uh, firemen and women, including students from Colgate University. And my nephew is the only high school student and recently passed his test to be on this real team. He's as a real helmet, real everything, right? This tour involved a description of everything. Did you know that they have this machine that has these hoses that look like rubber men, and they put their coats and their hats on it and their pants, and it dries them when they're wet? Well, I do, because I saw it, and I can't imagine the smell in the building while it's running. And did you know it's very cold up there, so they have these hoses that hook onto the exhaust pipe so they can run the engines and not have the place fill up with exhaust. And as soon as you get in the truck and you drive out, they automatically unsnap. I do, and they're very neat. Did you know that there's a gadget, a hose, a nozzle, an ax, an instrument, a gauge, a tool, and a thingamabob for everything related to fire and rescue? I do, trust me. Everything from an infrared scanner to these jump seats that are preloaded with these air pack Uh, backpacks that you just jump in and throw over your shoulders. It's amazing. And the cost? Crazy. From the ladder truck to the one that just carries water, everything has a purpose and a place, and it's all designed to rescue. Rescue people from buildings and, and property and even the firemen and the women themselves. Rescue is a big theme in the Bible. We find people running from big, scary pharaohs and rulers, crowds and mobs, famines and natural circumstances, even running from God. We also find people in need of rescue from themselves, from the decisions they made or just because, well, life happened. But for most of us, rescue is not a word we want to be associated with. No one wants to become famous because they needed to be rescued. But what if rescue is a way in which God works out his purposes? Today's sermon is called Being a Rescued Hero, and we will be asking this question. What if rescue is a way for us to experience God in a more meaningful and important way? Would you stand with me while we read the book of Daniel? From Daniel chapter 10. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river, the Tigris, 
I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such great terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up trembling. Father, we come to you this morning trembling from our own weeks, trembling from the stuff that we all face on a regular basis. We come um, tired. We come in need of relief. God, we come asking you questions and for you to do something in our lives. And so this morning, I pray that as we listen to your word, as we go through this text, as we listen to what you're saying through the Holy Spirit, that you bring relief You help us understand who we are in you and what you are doing for us in the meantime. So God, we pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so this passage is close to the end of the book of Daniel. And here's just five quick things you need to know about Daniel. He was a young prince uh, captured by Nebuchadnezzar around 605 B.C., and taken to Babylon to be trained in the, uh, in the service of the king. He seemed to be a very exceptional young man, uh, proving his loyalty to God by not violating his religious um, convictions of idol worship or eating unclean foods or doing customs that were against God's laws. He was trained in all the arts and sciences of the ancients and ultimately provided wise discernment for kings based on his experience with visions and dreams. Now, the book contains stories of many heroic rescues, one from a fiery furnace to a lion's den. But it also contains many apocalyptic visions uh, about what was to happen to the nation of Judah before the Messiah would actually appear. By the time of this passage, Daniel would have been in Babylon near 70 years putting him around 85 years old. This vision put him around the time when Cyrus, the new king, the Persian king who had conquered Nebuchadnezzar, allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the temple. Like Jonah, who we've been hearing about for the last couple of weeks, Daniel finds himself besides the water, a river in fact. Now, the Tigris River is this river that runs about 1,500 miles from the southern part of Turkey in the Armenian mountains into all the way down to the Persian Gulf. It joins the Euphrates, and it runs about 20 miles from Babylon. Now, we don't know why Daniel was actually away from Babylon, where he he most likely lived, but I think maybe he was remembering the story of Jonah, after all, 
the Tigris runs right by Nineveh. And he was in a lot of turmoil at this point in his life. Daniel was troubled. He was troubled because his people, those Jews taken by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon, were still in exile. And so Daniel comes to the river and asks God to do something. So he fasted and he prayed. And it's by the riverbank that Daniel sees this vision of a man dressed in linen and a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. Now, it gets a little confusing when you read a lot of the book of Daniel. But right here, we aren't told who this man is. Is it an angel? What is this vision? But it gives us a couple of clues. According to Exodus and Leviticus, priests were to wear linen. Also, linen was white, and its significance points to the references made prior in Daniel that God was described as being clothed in white garments. And the gold belt was an ancient Near East sort of costume that kings or judges would wear. And since previously Daniel was not afraid of the angel that spoke to him in other visions, many think that this vision was of God himself in the form of a man. A vision of the pre-incarnate Christ, meaning that this is Jesus appearing in the form as a man before he was actually born. See, Daniel had spent his life closely walking with God, listening and experiencing his presence, but he's completely undone when he sees this God-man and he hears his words to him. He's left in a stupor. The, The Hebrew really is like he was sort of in a trance. So I have a question for the kids this morning. Can you imagine seeing God face to face? What would that be like for you? Now, I've never had a vision like this, but I have heard God speak to me in many ways. Um, It's usually in times of stress or distress, and I'm looking for a solution, and I'm frustrated with circumstances, and I'm asking God, do something. And I want you to think about your own times of stress, your own times when you've been frustrated with circumstances. Maybe it's right now. What are you looking for? What were you looking for? Were you looking for a quick solution, instant relief? And how did God respond? And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Now, gently, it seems that a hand touches Daniel. The narrative sort of switches, and now it's not the vision of the man that touches, but an angel that touches Daniel. And he revives him from his stupor, and he gains enough strength and raises him to his hands and his knees. What God had said or was saying wasn't the relief or the answer that Daniel was hoping for, but it was something else. In Daniel's past, God had brought lots of relief, relief from the time when he finds himself not wanting to eat of the food of um, 
of Nebuchadnezzar because it was offered to idols. He found relief that he wasn't persecuted and allowed to do that. He found relief when God shut the mouth of the lions. His fears were relieved. Up to this point, Daniel had been praying for relief. Relief from oppression, enslavement, and being in exile as a people. But it wasn't until Daniel saw this vision and began to ask God, okay, what's your plan? Did he realize that God was planning a rescue, not a relief? Most times when we pray, we actually are looking for relief. We want relief from a sickness, from a circumstance, from difficulties that seem really, really hard. But we are short-sighted people, and we want relief that is fast and allows us to just keep moving and doing our own thing. But Daniel, a hero to his people, a notable prophet to his nation, and a wonder kid to those he served and interpreted visions for, needed to recognize his own need as well as his people's need to be rescued heroes. He needed to be reoriented to a new position, a new posture, because God was up to something more than mere relief. See, when we are on our hands and knees, we see the world at a different angle. Have you ever taken a walk and you're in a valley and you can see all the mountains around you? Or you're on the top of a mountain and you can see everything below you? Or you're by the seashore when it's crashing or you're buying a very, very rapid river. When you're standing there, have you ever had that sensation that you are so small and so weak in that moment? You are just a grain of sand on this big, giant globe. Being on your hands and knees sort of gives you this perspective, too. You are smaller than everybody else. You're looking up in a different ways. I know for me, if I'm on my hands and knees, I notice the places where the vacuum has dinged the side of the wall or where the chocolate milk that spilled a year ago still lingers on the bottom of the cabinet, right? You see the blotches. You see everything from a different angle. You also can see solutions from a different angle in that position. This happens when you meet God and you hear God's word to you. It happens when you are willing to be laid out flat and to be brought to your hands and knees, to listen and to see things from God's perspective. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, give heed to the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. So like Jonah, like what we've been talking about for weeks, after his belly of the fish sort of encounter, Daniel's perspective had changed. And it was God's word that had formed and changed this perspective. The vision that God gave Daniel wasn't the relief he was looking for. That would have been short-sighted. Instead, God gave Daniel this vision of a rescue, not one that would bring instant relief to Daniel in that moment, but one that would take the next 400 years or so to bring about. It was a vision of the time between Daniel's time and the coming Messiah, Jesus. It contained lots of imagery 
of different kingdoms and rulers vying for power over this region. But it also involved a rescue plan. Yes, devastating things would come upon the nation of Israel from the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, but it would also involve a cross and a resurrection. God's ultimate plan of rescue for the entire world. And thanks to God's rescue plan, we have access to this ultimate rescue in Jesus for eternal life with him and through him. But unfortunately, we sometimes think of rescue is for later. We need rescue later, like when we die. That's when we get rescued. And so we think about rescue in that terms, and we settle instead for just looking for relief. We pray for relief because we think rescue is far away. So this morning, if you've come to church this morning looking for relief and realize that you need a rescue, Jesus is our only answer. Right now, you can ask God to rescue you. You can just simply pray, Jesus, rescue me from my circumstances and rescue me and make me part of your eternal plan. You can simply do that right now. And those of you who are already following Jesus and have asked for that rescue, I want you to consider this, that you still need rescuing on a regular basis. Rescuing from your own perspective, rescuing from your own thinking, because being rescued is a God thing. God is still rescuing the world, and he wants us to see his answers to our circumstances through his perspective. So I told you that the purpose of the sermon was to answer this question, what if rescue is a way for us to experience God in a more meaningful and important way? Well, first, I think we have to think rescue is more about God's plan than our own. Our kids, our friends, our relationships, our jobs, our circumstances, our busy lives are all complicated. We have had expectations like, If I work hard, then, and then the then doesn't look like what we thought. If I raise my kids right, then, and our kids don't look right. If I just follow all the rules, then, right? If that hadn't happened or I hadn't made that decision, then, And when relief doesn't happen instantly, we begin to look to other things to escape, like prime day shopping, extra cake, super long naps, heading to the beach to be alone in a crowd, or wine at lunch, right? As parents, Dean and I have continued to struggle with God's perspective for our kids. We think we need to pray for relief. Like, we'll pray for this or that. That will fix them. That will make their problem go away. Actually, it's our problem with their problem that will go away. But that's like praying for relief. It's not praying for God's plan of rescue. Recently, we have begun to be praying for God's rescue plan for our kids. And sometimes the waiting and the struggling to hear and see results 
lays us out flat. I know many of you are in similar circumstances, struggling with something that you can't change, whether it involves people, your own family, your own circumstances. Maybe your prayers and actions have been about relief and not from God's perspective. So this morning, are you willing to be laid out flat? Second, rescue involves a different perspective. What if in order to see God's plan, to see his solution, to accept his answers, we need to be laid out flat and then raised to our hands and knees to see it? From God's perspective, he's thinking about what's best for everyone, what's best that will bring peace and grace and forgiveness and love to the entire world. It's really interesting. At the end of the book of Daniel, it says, he's told, but go your way until the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. See, Daniel didn't see the end. He did not see his God's rescue plan played out. But God told him to just keep staying in communion with him, staying connected to him, and rest would come. We have the same promise. God has given us this promise that he's got this. He's got us. He's got you and your family and your relationships and your circumstances. So how would getting God's perspective on the thing you're struggling with right now change you today? And third, rescue is always God's work. We are already heroes in God's sight, right? The Bible says we're highly esteemed. Um, We don't need to do anything more or less to be loved more or less by God. Like Daniel, a rescued hero, we need to experience Jesus. I was thinking about how many stories in the Bible involve rescue, and and I realized that there are so many stories around Jesus rescuing people, Um, and we sort of look at them as heroes after the fact, but these people who have been laid out flat, like the woman who had to crawl on her hands and knees around a crowd just to grasp the hem of Jesus's garment, And Jesus raised her to her feet and healed her of her 12 years of bleeding and rescued her from a life of isolation. Like the man who had been laying by a pool for 38 years in hopes of healing, and Jesus raises him to his feet and sends him walking home, rescuing him from his own unbelief. Like the man who is lowered through the roof by his friends, Jesus rescues this man by forgiving his sins And he takes up his mat and walks. You can go on and on and on with the stories of Jesus where somebody's laid out flat and he raises them and walks and they walk again. See, we have to be willing to be laid out flat, to have God raise our perspective and submit to being rescued by Jesus. Then and only then can we know how to pray rescue for others We need to experience rescue before we can pray rescue for others. Even though it might not bring us relief, even though we we doubt lots of times God's plan of rescue for another person, but we have to be willing to step out and pray for that rescue. 
to be willing to pray big, to pray God's rescue plan for others. Then we too can be rescued heroes, those who have been rescued and continue to need rescue. I think on a daily basis, we need to remember we need rescue regularly. If you're not being rescued, then maybe you're not stepping out. If you need rescue, it means you are in constant communion with God and you're facing life the way God intended you. God shapes us through rescue. He shapes us through these times. I think we all want to leave today as rescued heroes. Those who have been rescued will continue to be rescued and really desire rescue for everyone else.